Rough Trade is giving away a third of the first three months of the Rough Trade Club plus new music membership exclusively to 101 Part-Time Jobs listeners. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade Album of the Month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party, English Teacher and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code CLUB101POD and you'll get Rough Trade's Album of the Month, Camera Obscura's Look to the East, Look to the West for a third of the usual price. By signing up, you'll be getting Rough Trade's exclusive issue of the album on opaque purple in a gatefold sleeve plus a bonus CD containing five demos. Don't want the album of the month but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using Club 101 Pod and you'll still get the first month free. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in store and exclusive access to sold out Rough Trade events. So don't hang around. Head to roughtrade.com slash club and sign up with the code CLUB101POD. That's CLUB101POD and claim money Money off Rough Trade's album of the month today. This offer is for UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. Good morning. You're listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs. This is where I speak to bands and artists about the jobs they've had between making records, between going on tours, all that free time to try and recoup the money they've spent playing music and making records and going on tours, how they've been able to do that, stories of casual employment, precarious employment. That's why I'm here. That's what I'm trying to do. And that's my job. On today's episode, Tom Reese from Buzzard, 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 amazing band with style from Cardiff. Their album Backhand Deals came out earlier this year. Saw them a few times last year and blew me away every time. Just sounded amazing. I can't wait to see them again. They're playing a few shows supporting Stereophonics in Cardiff later this month. And then Le Pub in Newport. So, so a bit of a whale's blush for them. Might have to make the trip down. This episode is supported by 2000 Trees Festival, taking place from the 6th to the 9th of July in Cheltenham, just a few hours away from London. Idols, Jimmy World, Thrice and Turnstile will be headlining. 2000 Trees is one of the biggest independent rock festivals in the UK. 
They even won an award for it at some point. You can go to their website to see the full lineup, 2000treesfestival.co.uk. There are so many, so many amazing bands playing. High Viz, Kneecap, Get Up Kids, Stick to Your Guns, Cheerbleeders, Laura Jane Grace, Bob Villain. There's loads of great stuff on there. And if you want to go but haven't yet got your ticket, you can get 10% off that ticket that will save you about 20 quid. Just use the voucher code 101POD. That's 101POD to get 10% off and enjoy yourself that weekend. Cheers for listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs. This is Thomas Reese of Buzzard, 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 whose new album, Backhand Deals, is a brilliant listen. Go well. Cheers. Wait, so coming from, being from Wales. Yeah. Being from, from Cardiff. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like, you know, you, you, one of the first things you learn about the Manics yeah. is like how hard they worked. Yeah, yeah. You know, and how they took their education into their own hands. Yeah. And how like, they were smart. And I wonder if that, like, had ha, did that, you know, with this is a podcast about jobs. Yeah. You know, I want to hear about funny stories. I want to hear about the <laughs> shitty stories. I want to hear about the good stories. I want to hear about how probably everyone's still working now, even though tours are going really well and yeah, records yeah. are going well, you know? But that, I think that's my first proper question. Is yeah. it like learning how to play music and learning, you're playing gigs and, you know, sometimes you've got to ask quite strongly to get paid and, yeah, yeah. you know, you kind of got to, you got to be serious about the fun. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, we're thinking about that stuff. Where do you weigh in on that? And, you know, how do you talk to friends or family about that kind of stuff? Yeah, I mean... It's it's always kind of a tricky one, really, because I think like um, I think everybody, especially in the friends and family realm, like everybody has this kind of perception that uh, we've uh, quote unquote made it, which is absolutely not the case. But I'm glad that they think that because they hold a higher sort of social opinion of me, and they they grant me things, you know, they give me things, you know what I mean, which is nice that normally I wouldn't get if I didn't have such a, a you know esteemed social status with my own parents, but. Um, I think like that kind of thing is skewed and the, the, the observation I think with bands and stuff is, or with my observation anyway, is that everybody has a perception of how big you are. And when you announce something sort of huge, like for example, if we were going to support the Manic Street Preachers somewhere, uh, then people would have this perception that, oh, they've made it, they've done it, they're great, they're, you know, they've, they've made it, that's, that's all cool. And you, through that process, I think you actually get more engagement from people and more listeners and more people who are fans of the band because they have, they go along with this perception that you are this big thing. But in actual reality, I mean, like, I'm I'm lucky enough to be a producer like uh, as, my, as my job so that's great I have a fantastic job and I'm very lucky to be able to do it so that 100% of the time when I'm not fit in a kitchen I'm just doing music do you know what I mean but the rest of the guys you know like Ed works for the BBC uh, probably not for long eh um, and uh, doing what? Uh, he's a boom operator uh, excellent yeah and he uh, yeah on casualty he's like uh, first boom up on casualty Amazing. Um, and uh, Zach works in a pub and Ethan's a chef, you know? So it's like, it's, you know, we all have it's almost these, like a music video. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, we'd like, you know, we all have these avenues and we all have to have to work. Like it's not a sustainable industry by any stretch of the imagination, but it is being sold as one, like the glitz and glamour element of it. It's kind of similar to how like my girlfriend's Portuguese and she was like the way that Britain is sold to people is that everyone's just like, 
from the home counties sat around drinking tea, uh, just like, you know, living like in a frock, just having a great time in a huge manner. I'm feeling house. personally attacked right now. Yeah, you? absolutely. And you should be. This is directed <laughs> entirely at you. Um, but when she, you know, but when she arrived in Cardiff, like, you know, they're all, you know, everybody coming down for a rugby day from the valleys is completely different. Do you know what I mean? And I feel like there's a similar perception there, uh, my perception at least, in terms of how the music industry sells the idea of being in a band and sells the music. Because it even sells the drudgery of it all like it even sells the the going around the country in a in an old van that keeps breaking down and you're just fucking pissing mm. wet and you just want to go to bed and all that stuff even it's sell- music journalism trope isn't it you know I, yeah. don't you remember i think we're similar ages like don't you mm. remember reading about the and i put this in quote marks because i think it's absolute bs yeah the toilet circuit yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Why was that romanticized? And also, the, those those venues that we're talking about, yeah. those venues that you're that that were being talked about, were community hubs. Don't yeah, absolutely don't call them that. Yeah, for just sure. Because they're under 150 cap. That's yeah, brilliant. Yeah, that's my yeah, favorite yeah. gig. Yeah, I, but again, I think that's all part of like glorifying the the dirt of it all. Do you know what I mean? And I I think that's the thing is that there has been a long standing and. Like I was talking to a friend about this today, actually. There's been like a long-standing division between uh, the people who make contributions to the culture of music in our country, especially in Wales as well. It, it, obviously, there's like microcosms of the subject in every city, but in Cardiff, we have this particular removal from people who are in either uh, publicly funded uh, society, like musical societies and uh, music labels, as opposed to. Um, like the venues, the bands who are contributing to the culture of the scene. Do you know what I mean? There's, there's, there seems to be a really clear divide between those two groups. Um, and I think that's probably say, the same to be extrapolated across, with a few exceptions, of course. There are a lot of great people working in the music industry, but the people that are working in the music industry are usually predicating upon that divide. Do you know what I mean? Um, but the sick part of it all, if I can keep going for one little bit more, the sick part of it all is that we have to indulge in it. Do you know what I mean? We ha- yeah. and, we, and we have to do it because it's part of the industry, you know? don't really have a choice yeah. I, I that kind of that world of, of grants those those grants yeah. require application processes yeah which require you to be you know pretty brushed up on that stuff i think a lot of the cases with the sort of grant application thing as well like the, the prs and people like that there are a lot of good institutions that do a lot of great work and fortunately we've been on the receiving end of some some great applications and we've been on the receiving end of being in the fortunate position of like knowing somebody there knowing how to do applications having a team around us to be able to do it so i understand that the the priority in the first instance is to do good work and a lot of them do mm. but what happens in a lot of instances is that um i think this is the same i perhaps this is a similar problem for charities generally i know i'm speaking really seriously i should throw a joke in every now and again but for charities more broadly like there are a lot of people who are trying to maintain a job and so a lot of you know like you're going into institutions where people need to keep jobs and so a lot Mm. of the time when you're talking about giving money to people who need it a lot of the time people who are in that job might say well if I give my money to that person then what happens to my job and I think that's kind of like a dangerous thing but I don't know I you know again just a musician I don't know the better way you know I don't know how I I mean and that's that's brilliant because I do like to think that like you know I grew up playing in punk rock bands yeah, yeah. and you know you get to an age and learn about the Stooges and MC5 about how they had yeah. their own club and you know I like to think it was an inclusive club but it was a club that was a bit like fuck everybody else yeah. we're going to do our thing yeah yeah um, I think Against Me were the first band for me that was like that right okay um, but that, that I mean what what bands you know I mean I, I presume you've been playing playing music since a teenager you, yeah, yeah. you shred like you've been playing for 30 oh, years stop it. Yeah. do you remember a time where you thought about you know how what your politics were going to be on on you know 
on what we're talking about? Um, oh no, that's that's a very interesting question. But no, I, d- I don't think I ever. I don't think I ever had. I think I think what's important with a lot uh, with any of that sort of stuff, like politicking or the the process of politics, is like especially in music, is where you come from and this and this sort of space that you form your musical opinion and your musical brain in. And I think Cardiff is like a really specific. I'm actually from Barry originally as well, so it's just like a town just outside of Cardiff. So it's kind of like a lot very similar to like the kind of opinions that are held by bands who are perhaps like from the north of england or whatever i'm sure it's unilateral across the whole place but it's of like, course yeah, yeah yeah there's kind of like london a, nil whole four yeah precisely there's like a there's like a kind of like forgotten element uh in totally. it and when and when, yeah. and when and when i was coming up and playing shows in cardiff i mean i started playing shows when i was like 14 15 in this like doom metal band with my friend grant and like um when we were playing those shows, there was a lot of people like fleeing to London. Like the the general environment was like, you got to get out of here, man. There's, you know, like you got to get to London. And there was no love of self. Do you know what I mean? There's no love of city. Right. There was no love of country. It was just like... Like nurture what you've got. Yeah, it was kind of, well, it was just kind of like, Cardiff's going to do nothing for you here. And there was that kind of, I, I kind of think that it was like that kind of lack of self-belief that has contributed to the position that we're in now. Do you know what I mean? I feel like our self-belief as a, as a city has come a little bit too late because in terms of what I think uh, government or local council or whatever can do, it's kind of like uh, screaming on one side of a ravine. Do you know what I mean? And you hear the sound bounce back off. It's kind of like a there's like a latency or a delay. So like the, the, the held opinion in Cardiff when I was coming up was like, uh, you know, you just want to move somewhere else. Like the the Ma- all the cool Cymru guys did it. Like Griff Reese and the Mannix and all those people, Stereophonics, whatever. They all did it, and then it died a death because the nineties is over. So now it's just you know whatever. It's you know everything else that came around pre two thousand and eight, which is like hard finance, let's make money, art can go fuck itself. Do you know what I mean? And I feel like we're in that sort of delayed phase now, where now in Cardiff especially, the Welsh government holds the opinion. Oh wait, people don't care about music though. Do you know what I mean? Because that's what they got the job on was that was that very basis and and now they're closing down venues and all that sort of stuff so it's you know it's pretty it's pretty hard scar punk was pretty rife in 2004 to 10 yeah shooting goon yeah are they from who's that band that's got to stay focused oh i got i got no idea to be honest with you man when i hear scar the aversion it's like it's like <laughs> listening to scar for me is like having aversion therapy it's like that it's like the last half an hour of clockwork orange for me like where he's like <laughs> adequate pin. seven yeah <laughs> yeah i just i just i i worked in a bar called the moon uh pretty much all the way from when i was like 17 till i was about 21 and every band that played in there was a scar band like no gas every but i was like where do these scar bands keep coming from like they i don't know where they keep coming there must be like a, a scar hub of like you know like i can get along with like old old school scar you know like the original stuff that stuff i can get along with but uh what's what, what are those guys who do like that cover of like take on me but it's like a scar real big, fish. Real big fish they can die a death yeah. man you know i don't feel hey, so, so you must have been learning about like how shows run how yeah. like promoters how there's yeah. someone on the door how it works yeah how the, for sure the split gets worked. I mean, I always, I always think, you know, it's so many people. I wonder if, you know, is that how you learn producing by, by being there and watching it happen? Yeah. I, yeah. I think that had played a part in it as well. It was like, um, from my perspective when I was working in the bars and stuff and when I was going to play gigs, um, I always just loved the recording element of it because the gigs always felt, although they were great um, when you sort of like made, in a, made a bit of a splash and like people would come into the shows and that sort of thing. Um, though they were really, really cool and really, really fun, really, really energetic. Um, 
I was a drummer in that band, so I just felt like the the just the lugging the stuff around and all that stuff was just like it was it was a lot. Do you know what I mean? And then, especially then, I was really young, so I was still really hungry for it and that sort of stuff. But like not getting paid, uh, door splits are just an awful concept because it's just like, oh, sorry, we only had eight people in, so you, you can't take you can't have anything. Sorry, thanks for coming all the way yeah. to Swansea, but I'm afraid we can't pay you anything. Um, so I really enjoyed being in the studio. I really enjoyed like the camaraderie that you uh, like the rapport you develop. With with somebody else in the studio um it's always just like a really positive environment to be in because you're going in with somebody specifically uh, uh because of the reason that they like your music or you want to work with them for any reason so it's a really like positive and inspiring situation to be in um and i being at those shows and seeing that you weren't making any money i was like look i really love this i really love the whole element of this like playing and being in a band but it needs to work like unfortunately mm. we live in a society where you know everything is run by money so i just need to have something like it, it would either be it would either go down two roads right it would either be like I, I get really 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 good at drums and i can play in a wedding band which is great and you can make a lot of money doing that or i could just or i could veer off this way i was really into it and computers and stuff like that so i was like really getting into that sort of stuff so i was like i could just look at the recording thing and make money that way but i was like straight down the middle i don't think i can actually uh make a living uh at least not for a very long time uh or well i could do it in a very cool way in a very like kind of um who's the guy who wrote on the road like on a jack kerouac kind jack of way Carole, yeah. like Singies oh uh, in the morning yeah i'll be like famous after i die and all that stuff do you know what i mean but like <laughs> um that wasn't the really road for me i like to shower you know i like so you were old shower. enough at that point to be like oh i'm gonna i'm you're paying rent you know you were like i'm doing this yeah. thing it, yeah, yeah you yeah. weren't necessarily sleeping at friends houses or well no or someone I, else's house yeah no i was i was in uni so it was i was fortunate to have to be uh just uh, jamming on a student loan do you know what i mean i mean that seems quite a smart thing when you when you kind of get to that conversation where it's like well yeah but yeah what do you want to do yeah and they're just like I want to go on tour man yeah it's just I like I want to go on tour yeah. it's like no it's, it's, <laughs> it it's, work a, that way. it's a great dream it really is and the, and the feeling of doing it is amazing and again it's the same thing the camaraderie being with your best friends yeah. hanging out with everybody going to play shows connecting with people like I'm the I'm the most social I ever am when I'm on tour like because I'm just it's surrounded by people and everything's great um, but. Yeah, I always am always stressing about money when I'm on tour because I just don't have yeah. any of it because you, you just yeah. burn through it so quick because the industry, again, is not weighted to support you whilst you're doing that. Do you know what I mean? You, you, it's pretty sad being really far away in an amazing place and yeah. seeing a record that you want to buy and you're like, well, I don't have yeah. 25 quid. I can't do it. I can't do it. And it's been worse than that. It's been like, I can't like, oh, I'd really love a cheese sandwich. But it's like, I can't, I can't. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, it's really, really hard. And... I think I was quite fortunate in a way, uh, this is kind of like a fortune kind of like caveated with like a kind of sad reality, but like the guy I was in a band, we were like a two piece when I was started in a band with a guy called Grant Jones, who's a phenomenal guitarist. He's amazing. He's like literally the best guitarist I've ever seen in my life. Um, and he was great in, um, taking me as quite an innocent young boy and like showing me the world of like a world of darkness do you know what I mean like introducing me to like real rock like Sabbath and stuff like that um because prior to that I was just a a, a clean little Beatles boy do you know what I mean um so he was really good at doing that but what I saw he was older than me so he was like I think he was like 20 when I was in a band with him when I was 16 and I saw a guy who was working to supplement playing these shows, but like working in bars, staying up late, super not good for his health. Do you know what I mean? Like working his ass off, really working just to supplement being in a band. Do you know what I mean? And I was like, I don't want to do that. 
I want to I want to make sure I can build something that is going to allow me to supplement it properly instead of like chasing the dragon as it were. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like really just, just being, being like, against against the wall the whole time. Absolutely. Just wave after wave of financial like you know yeah. horror just waving over you do you know what i mean so just like constant hangover yeah for, yeah for sure like I, yeah, and, I've, been, and, I've been there i've been there yeah and like i when i was working when i was working in university like i worked in university all the way through uh in bars doing that because uh, it was kind of the only option like i wasn't gonna when i was 16 be like i'm gonna rent a studio do you know what I mean? <laughs> um but uh i did that in university like working in bars and i was working three times a week in the moon and like doing like four till four shifts like friday saturday and then one in the week do you know what i mean and it is like it destroys you do you know what i mean it's really really hard to just even function on a mental level do you know what i mean did you know you wanted to work in studios where when during that you know transition period yeah i think i it was early i think I, it was when i was applying for university because i went to go do music tech at university it was when i was applying for university i was like i think i think i want to do recording um again because like i think my dad for better or for worse was really hard on the line also that was like he was he was a musician he was in like he would play drums with the bass city rollers in the 80s when they just when they when they had really when they had died a death like and they were coming back and they were playing shows in barry and stuff like that so i think he had like he was playing shows with like the, the, the reanimated corpse of the Bay City Rollers making no money at all playing an electric fucking drum kit. And he was kind of like, if I ever have a child, I'm going to make sure they can do, they can be in the music industry and make money. Do you know what I mean? So the, from, from the, and from the very moment that he was like, I want to, like when I was in that like year three or whatever, and he was like, oh, you should play drums. And I was like, okay. Cause I just, you know, if you have kids, you just fill them with your shit, don't you? And then they grow up and then they hate you. He was like, you can, you know, you can, the whole time it was like, you can be a musician, you can do whatever, but you just got to make sure that you're smart about it and you can try and make some money out of it. Do you know what I mean? And that I, I'm very fortunate that that worked out for a lot of people. It doesn't work out. And what I th think I wanted to caveat, like the last bit about, about working in a bar as well all these conversations and the the political element of it is that all these conversations are fantastic to talk about but like there are a lot of people who don't even like we I'm just a musician in this situation I've been really fortunate to get out of that and I think the thing that influenced my outlook for music from a political perspective as well is thinking about people who don't even have music do you know what I mean and so mm. people that are put in the position of having to work you know I've still got friends who work in that bar because they just don't have anything else because the, the, the climate, the economic climate, the situation in our country at the moment hasn't set them up to succeed whatsoever. You know, they're in incredibly intelligent people, hardworking people, and they don't have music. They don't have anything. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, I think getting sort of experiencing that in a bar was one thing, but also being offered the opportunity by whatever contextual, you know, setting I'm in to be able to get out of it was another thing to be like, God damn, I'm a lucky person. Do you know what I mean? And I think, that I think it, it makes me like that solidifies my position as mm. like someone who wants to live in an alternative or subculture. And you realize it doesn't work the way that we're taught it works. Yeah, for and sure. And I don't want to live in a world that's a, that's a lie. That's a facade. Yeah. And I, I think what you see in like a lot of the political discourse of our day, especially like in terms of people who are like on the left, like when, when there was the last election happening, there was a lot of conversation that, um, and I think this is what, what we're talking about actually contributed to the result of the last election as well. Um, is that a lot of people on the left were talking about these really lofty goals and these really lofty opinions and what we should be doing to better our society. But that hour wasn't 
at the hour in our society wasn't actually what was going on with working class people and people in those subcultures. Like there wasn't any connection with people in those subcultures and people in those societies. It was very much like we, the divided political class of us, think this is best. Do you know what I mean? And mm. and, and it went the other way for that reason. And I think there's a lot of that in music as well. Like increasingly so, like a lot of a lot of people, in, it depends on what level you're speaking about it, obviously, but on like, on an international level, absolutely. I mean, like fucking, you know, like Billie Eilish was homeschooled and you got to ask yourself why mm. why why was she allowed to be homeschooled for that long do you know what i mean um but even even down interest to the uk scene like the connections that people have from birth means that they're immediately separated from these subcultures and 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 are just brought into the industry do you know what i mean so i think mm. what you what you mentioned is a really important part of um developing like a musical style um but and i also think like what's really cool about that is that it comes easier to communities that are perhaps separated from like the big city capital London vibe. Do you know what I mean? Um, because there, there are, um, you're basically born into a subculture because you're not immediately in like the hotspot of what is going on. Do you know what I mean? Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why, what do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. I don't think it matters who you are, whatever life you've been brought into whether it's one where you're going to scar gigs with your parents on a yeah. sunday at the local pub yeah god forbid or if it's you. somewhere god where you. um you know if you do any other job other than the people around you are doing then you're you're marginalized or, or yeah. speaking to like spoken to like an outsider ultimately like we just want to feel included yeah yeah and 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 i think for me, that's got a big part of it, right? You know, I grew up, I was very lucky enough to grow up in a small town where there were gigs happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You say, you know, if people didn't have music, I, I think all the time, what if those gigs wouldn't have happened? You know, yeah, you wouldn't yeah. have think, you wouldn't think, oh, I'll start a band. I'll become yeah. a music journalist. Yeah, you know, yeah. it just wouldn't be a thing. Yeah, absolutely. And, f and for me as well, like, I, it seems super weird. But I'm, and I'm sure loads of people have this as well, but I never thought about not doing music. And that's like an insane position to be in because I had these support systems around me, like, you know, like a, a like a, a stable family for a bit. Uh, they got divorced, but they needed to. Do you know what Same. I mean? You know, yeah. when it's like 7.30 a.m. and I'm in my fucking school uniform outside the house saying, mum, got, I've got a test and they're throwing stuff at each other. It's kind of like, OK, maybe you guys should get divorced, you know? Um and you I'm know but, but i was oh no please it's it's hilarious you know that's the thing i think that's another element of like uh my musical outlook as well is that it's it's important to find humor in everything because uh we're all okay you know like at the end of it all like i'm okay like i'm, I'm not gonna sit here and pretend that my parents divorce is really hurting me do you know like when ed sheeran said that he was like he watched that e uh, episode of south park that made fun of ginger people and it ruined his life i was like yeah ed sure i'm sure i'm pretty sure it ruined your life pal yeah yeah one of like the most successful musicians on the planet i 
I'm sure it ruins your life. Just that, you know, have some fun, man. Come on. Uh, um, yeah, I can't even remember what I was saying. But oh yeah, that was it. Yeah, like it was, I didn't even think about it. Do you know what I mean? Because I was in the position of like having support systems there for me that it was kind of like a guiding hand. Do you know what I mean? It was like mm-hmm. something... I came from a sort of community where I wanted to do something and all my life I've been enabled to do it, which is a pretty phenomenal position to be in. Um, And a lot, and it's very, very easy, I imagine, to go down that path and just not think about anybody else who perhaps has had to question that. Do you know what I mean? And I think um, there was a couple of decisions perhaps that maybe changed my uh, perspective on that. And I think going to university in Cardiff was a good thing for that. Because there were a lot of people in my university that um, went to, were from Cardiff, went to school in Cardiff and just went to uni because they thought it was the right thing to do. And under those circumstances, I could see people who were changing their minds about what they wanted to do. And that was a, a huge indicator to me that I was like, okay, this isn't like my life isn't cookie cut across everybody else's. Like people have inner conflicts and in what they actually want to do. A lot of people don't know what they want to do. My stepdad, Gary, in his 60s, probably still doesn't even know what he wants to do. Do you know what I mean? So I have to have some kind of like um, political or even if put in a musical sense, like musical empathy to people who are not uh, open to the idea that it's like my God given right to be a musician because it's not. And it's, do you know what I mean? And it's not anyone's. But I think that's a um, often like a overused kind of remark or like you know like you were born to do it or i was born to do this you know this whole thing um i think that kind of sets aside everybody else's struggle was there a path did you i mean you mentioned your friend grant playing in that metal band yeah yeah. were there any other people who were setting out a path that you could kind of you know, see see their mistakes, see where they went right, see where they took, where, you know, took the right step in the right direction. Yeah. You know, could you see a path of, of like, you know, how you could, of a direction to go in? Because you can see how it's pretty directionless sometimes. Oh, yeah, you for know, sure. Yeah, a lot yeah. of people are playing in groups and, and they might be great, but they don't really know where to go and they're probably still playing, you know, yeah. sort of thinly veiled pay-to-play shows and yeah. it feels impossible yeah I, you know i'm i'm in the position as well being a producer and working back with bands from cardiff of like seeing that happen a lot um and it's and it's hard for bands because i think there's uh sorry this is gonna be quite a long answer but intrinsically in like in uh, a musician or a creative there's a tendency to like um you you get into a band i think for um there's many many reasons but there's one predominant reason which is you want to be seen like the 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 reason for get and no, nobody can uh willfully say that they don't want to get up on a stage because they don't want to be seen do you know what i mean like i think like that's a big part of being in a band and so with that element already in your brain a lot of the bands that i work with are always saying um cool when we finish this we're going to release it straight away do you know what i mean because there's a willingness there that it's like we just want to be seen we want to get it out there do you know what I mean? we want to do that there's a constant battle there between like um doing the right thing and making a career for yourself and wanting to be seen and appreciated and all this sort of stuff for whatever reason you know um 
And that sort of, uh, one was like, one was like, why did I start saying that? Groups that record, <laughs> bands that record with you and they say they just want to put out stuff immediately. Yeah, yeah. So they, they're, they're sort of like battling like that, that dynamic. I started off down that road, I had a really good answer and it just left, you know. <laughs> it just left me. I guess bands lost, you know, how, where do you know where yes. to go? Okay, that's the thing. That's what I was going to say. That's good. You're good at your job, man. Yeah, fuck yeah. Okay. So basically it's like, um, they're constantly battling with that idea. What should we do? Maybe we should take this route and they commit themselves to one route and then and five seconds later, they'll find out that uh, some girl on TikTok just made like, she's on the Jimmy Kimmel show because she just like, put a song up on, on TikTok and it's blown up and this thing's gone insanely crazy. So they're spin, you know, chasing their own tail and doing this whole thing to be like, which way do I go? Do you know what I mean? There's so many routes and paths and everyone's telling you that this one's the right one and this one's the right one and this, you know, this is the thing to do. For me personally... It wasn't really that I saw people who were like making mistakes or like uh, seeing people in front of me doing things right. And then I would do the same thing. I think I've just been together with um, a couple of people in my life who have really like um, they've had the good grace to like hold my hand uh, with me through good and bad times. But like be there with me. Grant Jones was the first person who sort of just introduced me to like playing sh like playing shows uh, one really important thing, which is like not giving a shit about what people think about you or your music and just going out and making the music you want to make. Um, that was really, really important. And then I had um, a pair of brothers, Joel Hurst and Ethan Hurst, who I was in a band called Tibet with, like an indie band. Um, Joel especially really introduced me to the idea of songwriting and how to write a like a, a song because whether you like it or not there is an industry there and you do have to feed into an industry and when you're writing a song you kind of have to think about certain parameters to be able to like work it out on honest within yourself of course but like there are certain parameters that you need to feed into you got to release a single do you know what I mean you got to do this you got to do that he really introduced me to that sort of thing and took me on a journey through like we were a, a kind of like a little bit successful in the industry uh, in that band and he was there with me and sort of walked me through it and it was a real partnership that we were like really helping each other through um and then it didn't really work out because we just like we didn't really have the numbers we, we were going out on tour we just didn't sell any tickets you know it happens we were devastated at the time uh but it makes sense but then you learn from those experiences as well i think i was like 19 from when i was like 19 till 21 um, you think you're old at that age, don't you? Oh man, I thought I was it, man. I thought I was. I was like, I'm going to get a mortgage next week. Do you know what I mean? I thought. I thought I had it together. Like, um, did you get signed? So that's a bit of a di divisive, loaded question, isn't it? Yeah, I think we get, we did a couple bits with Alcopop. You know. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jack from Alcopop was great. And again, you know, again, like, I think he, again, he was another person that I kind of underestimated in my whole journey of it all. It was like a really understanding person and really willing to accept like, um, the kind of gaps in our knowledge of, of the industry and that sort of thing to really take us on and, and fill us in. And I, like you said, like, I think he exists in that sort of area of subculture that people don't necessarily appreciate. Um, and people, people, for example, in Car like the higher ups in Cardiff Council, don't really see those people as people of worth who contribute to the fertilization of like true talent. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, so he was great as well. And so yeah, we kind of did a, a bit of stuff with him. We had management. Um, and so management's a funny one. It is a because I was always like, who the fuck's going to manage us? Me? I'm yeah. not going to fuck. I do the I do the work. Thank you very much. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's and that's the thing. I went from being in a band with Grant where we didn't need that. And I was like, I'm going to do it all. It's all cool. Like I want to be in control of all that stuff. So then being in a band with a manager and being like, Oh, you actually need this. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, what I learned from that is that so much is it, 
already like because the way that the industry is set up so much is already expected of you as a musician on day one of releasing your first record like so mm. like people always perceive you releasing your first record as the beginning of your musical lifetime when in actual fact you've already supplied so much like in our in our case we had to have like we had to have a full what we gave to communion which is totally our decision and so i'm not going to put the blame on them i'm not saying that it's any harm to them because we came to them with this proposal but like we had a studio we had a whole record ready to go bunch of recordings knew how to make the recordings ourselves uh, had been playing around funding our own gigs had found ourselves a manager had made all the videos ourselves paid financed all the videos that sort of stuff do you know what i mean working our asses off to do all of that and you provide and you have to provide that to an industry professional do you know what i mean so i think a lot a lot of the times there's like little consideration in terms of how much work you just you have to do just to get to day one do you know what i mean to that mm. position so it, for me, it makes sense that people would want a manager after that, especially now when the industry, the zeitgeist, everything is telling you now you've got to be a content creator. Like now you've got to have a podcast. Now you've got to be on uh, TikTok. Now you could be learn how to dance. You've got to learn how to dance. If you don't know how to do ballet, you're never going to make it. Do you know what I mean? Like this is the, the social pressure to be that sort of band or act against it, but act against it so convictingly that you deny all your own uh, sort of uh, mental observations about it and really stick to your guns. It's an incredibly stressful situation to be in. So I can completely understand why anybody would f not entirely fold, but just be like, I want to get a manager as soon as I can. I started being a sound guy, like a live sound guy, because um, there was a bit more, we didn't have a space and stuff. Um, so I was sort of doing that. And then we were in a transitionary period when I was in Tibet, where we were starting again after that tour failed. And so we, we took like a year to like write new songs. But in that time as well, I started writing buzzard stuff. And I was just like, because I was living with my mother and I was like very upset. And I was just like, I'm going to do something for me. I'm going to do something that I want to do that is totally me. I don't have to do it with anybody else. I, can, I don't have to share it with anybody else. Um, so I was recording for a while in Joel and Ethan's house, like before they would wake up, I'd come in like really early, like greet their parents as they went to work, as they went out the door. And then I'd set a bunch of mics up, record a bunch of drums and then uh, pack it all down by the time they woke up. And then they woke up and we'd have Tibet practice or the new band practice. Um, and so after like about six weeks of doing that, I was like, I'm really fucking fed up of setting mics up and down. So we should really try and find a space to be really good for all of us. So this was the space that I'm in now that we all actually found. Um, and we managed to come here. So, I was doing live sound. I think I was still working in the moon. I worked at deliver. I worked for Deliveroo for a little bit. That was one of the most miserable experiences I've ever had in my life. I don't wish that upon anyone. Um, and that is another, again, another industry that has completely exploded that I think just does awful stuff to people. Like I was, I remember just, I remember coming back to my girlfriend's house halfway through a shift because it was pissing rain so much to put carrier bags on my feet because it was just the rain was just pit I was just soaked completely through do you know what I mean um also you were on bicycle I was on a bike yeah I had a shit fucking bike that weighed about fucking two tons that I bought from this guy in fucking Grangetown uh, in Cardiff and once I was cycling down fucking St. Mary Street, the main street in Cardiff, they got these massive plant pots, right? Made of granite. And I was fucking going and I turned to go right and my handlebars went right, but the wheel stayed in the same place because it had come loose as I was, because I was riding around for like nine hours a fucking day. I went straight into the plant pot and I did a front flip over it. And of course, it's the main street in Cardiff, nighttime, all the lads, all that fucking, you know, I was just awful. So I did that for a little bit. Um, I had the good fortune of working for my father for a little bit, doing a bit of construction consultancy work uh which 
I, I love my father. I love him to pieces. I hated the fucking job. It was fucking awful. I had to basically cold call universities. Not, not a big vibe. Nobody wanted to speak to me. Um, it was very strange. I was trying to get on a level with like 50-year-old white guys, do you know what I mean? Which is just like a strange thing to be doing every day. Like, hey, Andy, how are the kids? It's, oh, I forgot you hate your kids. Sorry, I'll call back next week. Do you know what I mean? Um, so I did that for a little bit and then managed to get a little bit in more to the live sound thing. And then once I started doing buzzard stuff, I was really fortunate that when we were releasing stuff, it was stuff that I had recorded. So I kind of had a kind of CV to go on. So when people were coming in, they were coming in for that reason. And I think that's the same way it works today, really. It's kind of like a cyclical thing where we put a song out and then people enjoy it and they're like, who recorded it? And I'm like, it's me. You should come to my studio and all that sort of stuff. Do you know what I mean? So it works very well. The band services my production work. My production work services the band. Um, it's, it's great. It's really self-serving economy. Um, it's very fun. Did you find it quite straightforward to like take that seriously enough to kind of do your books and fucking be serious about it? Yeah, I'm pretty bad at doing my books, but I do get them done. That's the thing. Uh, I think, <laughs> yeah, I think... Um, Again, yeah, I think it's important to have that, you know, it's, it's really bad because these are the things that never get taught to you in school. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I have sort of just stumbled through learning these things as I've gone along. Um, and I think even at the studio, like trying to register as a, like a legitimate business and stuff, we've been hit with loads of fines that we've had to pay that we just didn't know. We had to get fucking somebody to collect our rubbish. I didn't know you had to do that as a fucking company. Like you, you have to get like Biffa to come around to come and get your rubbish and it costs so much money a month. It was just like insane. All these things, you know what I mean? So I kind of have stumbled through that but to a point where now it's kind of okay. Um, it's kind of like when you're growing up and you like, your parents tell you to tidy your room and when you first have to do that shit, you're like, for fuck's sake, this is awful. I fucking hate it. But then when you become an adult, it become, becomes like a really kind of like soft nagging pain as opposed to like a, a knife in the chest. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's how we all live until we eventually retire, which with this government will probably be when we're fucking 95 and we just fucking die. So, you know, taxes kind of become about like that, you know? Uh, once you get into them, um, the pain gets a little bit softer and then, uh, and then, yeah, I'll be moving everything over to the Cayman Islands next year anyway. So it's totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> love it, Tom. Well, to end with, go on. What, 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 what jobs, what side jobs would you love to, to work in the future? What, what are you, what's on there? Have you, has, has anything come across your mind? You know what? Like I, um, I've always loved, people who work with their hands, like contractors, plumbers, carpenters, all those sorts of people, I think they're not really appreciated enough in what they do and how easy they make people's lives um, and how like skillful and intelligent they are, like how intelligent you have to be for, in a tactile and like really real tangible way to know how to build things and how to set things right and like feel and touch things and get a feeling from what you're working with and I've been doing some very like I swear to god like I am like level one I'm like white belt I think they would say in taekwondo at doing anything but I've been replacing our kitchen and doing some DIY stuff and I was like ah if I had somebody teaching me this I would love to do it it's a very satisfying job to do especially when you clean everything up at the end and it's all done like i would love to get into like carpentry or like whatever i'm not i'm not entirely sure but something that's like you know being a producer you do kind of work with your hands but it's all it's a lot of it is in the digital realm and a lot of it is in computers and it's not like it used to be so i'd love to do something very physical a bit more physical you know that would be really fun nice one tom You've been great yeah uh, thank you very much man it's been a pleasure thank you so there was thomas reese of buzzard 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 cheers for listening this week back next is cox Barrow. I've been working all day, probably made on the side, running around like a blue-arse fly. 
This is a Mighty Moon Media Podcast. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com